Hi, I'm Toby. Hi, I'm Matt. And welcome to the Pure Property Podcast with Track Capital, where we talk about all things property and property investment. So the aim of the podcast is to give you our industry insight and knowledge and to help investors to invest intelligently. So I've got Matt along with me this week and hopefully going to be a regular occurrence for you being on the podcast. So thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Toby. All good, all good. So this week's episode, we're going to, first we're going to look at some of the articles that have uh, come out recently that have caught our attention, which we'll briefly go over and give our opinion on. And then we're going to go over and discuss the Renters Reform Bill, which is something that a lot of our listeners, our clients and people in the property industry would have been hearing a lot about. So we thought we would go over it, highlight some of the main points from it, give our insight and take on the bill itself and give our opinion on what we think it will be like for the property market where everything they're saying to come in to actually come in. So let's start with some of the articles that we've noticed this week, Matt. Now, one of the articles that I wanted to come across first is Labour recently announcing good old Sir Keir Starmer saying that they would look to abolish leasehold in the UK within the first 100 days of them coming into power. Now, what was your take on that article itself? Yeah, obviously a very interesting article that they put out there. Um, Obviously something that we hear a lot about, the whole freehold, leasehold type of of thing all the time, especially ourselves uh, dealing with property, both leasehold and freehold properties on a a day-to-day basis. It's definitely something that I think is an interesting topic. Everyone has their take uh, on it. Some people are very... uh, kind of adamant that one is better than the other but um as a whole i do think it would actually be uh, a good thing i think in total i think as a whole it's something that uh, as i said i feel i feel as though people feel as though they have a lot of freedom when they have the the freehold rather than kind of even though there's not as much pressure applied to the leasehold i think a lot of people maybe an outsider's point of view who haven't dealt with a leasehold before they maybe feel like it is a lot more uh, pressure to to do certain things a certain way etc which is it's not completely um but yeah it's something that i do think will be a good um, good thing in the future if they do obviously look to implement it. Um, but yeah, definitely as a whole, from my point of view, I think it is a good thing. I think it would open up um, many doors in the property world. I think. I mean, what's your thoughts as a whole, Toby, on that? Look, I, I'm I'm all for it. Um, there's definitely a stigma, like you mentioned, mm. around the whole leasehold thing. Absolutely. Like a lot of people are put off by it. Um, not that I think it's anything too negative Mm. Uh, that said only positive potentially can come from getting rid of the the old leasehold because i think we're the only country in the whole world that still has or has that uh, way of doing things in property so yeah a positive overall if they were to do it i'm a bit skeptical in the logistics of it i mean they say they would come in and abolish it in 100 days like there's no substance behind how they would do it how would that how would that work there's there's a lot a lot to be done around that the one positive i do think and, and hence why i'm definitely all for it and i think it's a great idea is 
if it was done and done properly, I think it would definitely open up the market a lot mm, more. I agree. Because you've got a lot of first-time buyers maybe or investors, some that are put off by that stigma or don't understand it completely and it can be quite confusing or or have maybe had bad experiences where from freeholders or management companies that they don't have it, uh, have control over. So I think that would massively help the market. But yeah, time will tell. It's one of those Absolutely. one of those headlines which I'm sure will help them gain some votes. But like all of these things politicians do, it's all great saying it, but how are you going to do it? Absolutely. And would yeah, you even sure. do it? As you said there, Toby, to be honest, it's, it's one of those things that I do think it would massively, as we deal with that on a day-to-day basis, I think it would massively open up the market in terms of also people, not purely for investment, but also residential-wise, feeling as though they have a sense of control mm. over their property rather than feeling restricted, I guess, in a leasehold, um, which, as I said, it's not, I think, what it what it's made out to be. But it, I do think it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah, so just just for our, our listeners or, or viewers as well, abolishing the, the leasehold mean that when you buy a property, you, you wouldn't be, um, you would have control over... The, the freehold or share freehold, however they would structure it. Mm-hmm. So then you would have control over how the buildings looked after. So uh, from from my understanding, again, it's very vague. You would have control and then you can see where your money is being spent on the service charge and where the money is being put towards to. Yeah. So it's all done and you're not being, maybe some people have been screwed over in the past with uh, management companies maybe putting money incorrectly into the building or using companies which are more expensive so basically giving yourself when you buy a property the 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 control over it and i'm assuming again then lease lengths would would go uh, which is which is something we we see a lot of especially yeah, they, with the lower lease then, i guess allocate the funds yeah. where is absolutely necessary yeah. rather than being spent sometimes which probably is the case in some some areas where maybe it's not always spent um, in the right place. Yeah, no, I agree on that. So yeah, let's let's see if well, one, they've got to get into power to do it. <laughs> so um, and two, if they actually do it when they get into power. Uh, another headline. So this one is from the IFA magazine. So a lot of other publications picked this up as well, but it was it was right move showing the figures for asking prices rising by one point eight percent in May. So, yeah, asking prices up, reading that, when you've heard about that or maybe you've got feedback from people that you're speaking to, what what was your take on on that article and what your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I think as a whole, um, with that increase, I think it's a positive positive Mm. sign within the market. I think within the market conditions, it's it's, um, definitely one that's sparked a lot of interest over the past six to 12 months as a whole in terms of how it's performing. Some people are really put off by it. Some people aren't. Some people think that obviously the market's going to crash, etc. As As the article does mention, though, it is on uh, what people are asking for rather than obviously properties that are actually sold at that price. So as a whole, I think it's a positive sign within the market. Obviously, we know certain areas within the market as well are a good or, obviously going to be performing better than others but as a whole i think it was a quite a positive um a positive outlook on that and i believe as well toby when we post this etc obviously put some some links to these articles so the viewers can listen in and, and actually tune in and have a look at the articles themselves yeah yeah we will do that and just on that yeah like you picked up on 
it is a positive mm. in a sense that asking prices are up 1.8%. But then one thing you have to do is just put it into context because it is asking prices, Absolutely. not sold prices. Sure. This is asking prices. So the reason I see it as a, a bit of confidence is because, it, well, I mean, hopefully um, confidence for, for the right reason is potentially vendors are, are seeing the market or even estate agents that are advising them slightly better um, than they'd initially thought. So they're feeling confident enough to put their asking prices up because mm. that's what properties are achieving in the local area. And yeah, they're just seeing that the market isn't as bad as maybe they first presumed. So it's sort of pushing those asking prices up or maybe they're being... <laughs> ill-advised and uh, estate agents trying to win business are put, putting the asking prices up. But I would hope it's not the the latter and I would yeah, take it as a good sign of positivity in the market. Now, if we actually look at property prices, so the data doesn't come out um, as frequently as in or up to date as that, for example, that's, that's covering um, what we saw, uh, that's for May or showing May um, and that was released whereas land registry data is months behind because you have to wait for that to come through land registry da data the latest one goes up to March and that shows that prices year on year have increased 4.1% so that's that is a year remember again for context that's a year on year growth so we are seeing a slowdown in in the capital price growth which was naturally going to happen and this is something we, we have spoken about so many times on this podcast is that the market we experienced during COVID times was just ridiculous there was no way that was going to last it was unsustainable we're now seeing this come to a more level more stable market pre-pandemic so we're looking us as a company and a, a lot of people in the industry instead of comparing today's market to between 2020 and 2022, we're actually looking at it compared to 2019 and prior because that was a more stable, more um, normal market. So that's how we're doing our comparisons. And if we do those comparisons, which you won't do now because there is a new home track report that I believe has come out actually today and I haven't had my eyes run over it yet, but we'll probably be talking about that on the next episode. And that will be showing us some data and we can use for comparison but yeah i'll use my optimistic head and, and take that as positivity that people are feeling like they can get their asking price up so it's good for, from our point I of view agree. now again on to another article so this one's from prop, uh, property industry i mm. and they are reporting uh, well not them the ons are reporting that rents are on the rise. So rental prices are going up and actually, I wouldn't say surprisingly, but to some people's surprise, London actually um, leading the way in England on that side of things. So London actually jump in and this covers 12 months prior, April 2023, so year on year for April. Um, so London's actually jumped up by 5% in terms of rental prices, which again, is, is good, very, very strong. And uh, the, the UK as a whole, on average, is 4.8%. So that is good. It's an impressive stat. It is very impressive. Now, you being uh, a landlord, um, investor, what does that 
obviously it's good news, but what what what, what do you take <laughs> on that? Absolutely. I think as a whole, um, with rents increasing over time frame, of course, uh, as you mentioned, Toby, there's uh, certain areas that will perform better than others. But as a whole, con- seeing in the market conditions a 4.8% increase across the whole of the UK market, I think that's a great sign for landlords, for sure. Definitely number one. Maybe not so much a great sign for people renting <laughs> yeah but of course um as a whole though i do think it yeah it's, it's something that is consistently happening what, what we're seeing at the moment with the market conditions etc uh, obviously inflation um, mortgage rates a little bit of uncertainty there within the market i think if anything it it kind of gives that landlord's assurance that it is still profitable to go into property and there is still really good opportunities within the market and wherever you be in the country of course certain areas as mentioned are going to be better than others but for example i mean we look at the data all the time from home track um and and we know for example over the past yeah year or so in certain other areas it's been a little bit higher obviously some areas have been a little bit less to obviously stable at that 4.8 percent so i think as a from a landlord's point of view it's 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 impressive and Fingers crossed, we will hope to see that can obviously take place and keep continuing to take place because the amount of regeneration and money being pumped into certain cities um, for sure is only going to keep benefiting this. And obviously, a lot of the time, I was actually quite surprised that London was that high. Mm. I mean, um, look, I think as a whole, certain areas we know there's regeneration plans set in place. So, it tends to naturally have the capital growth as well as the rental increase over that period of, of time. But obviously London uh, as an area that is very well developed already, it was quite an interesting um, start to see that. Yeah, and but not really a surprise. We've seen um, an influx of demand going back to city centre locations because people are going back to normal ways of life. Yeah. The, Post-COVID, yeah, yeah the, the the need for space has run its course to a degree. Don't get me wrong; people do want more space, but I think now people are back to work on a more normal location, basis. Yeah. Location is key, and being sort of especially London, um, where employment is, is is so strong, people want to be close to where they're working. I think also London, so you're close to work, so that helps with cost. We're in a cost of living crisis, so yes, obviously you're maybe paying a bit more rent, but then if you're cutting on your travel costs you're more than likely getting an apartment. And if it's fairly new, then you're actually saving on the costs of um, heating and all your usual utilities because they're cheaper to run smaller properties. And just across the board, we are seeing that with apartments now with cost of living going up. People are actually looking at apartments because they're saying, well, actually it's, it's cheaper to run. They're new. They're, they're, they're smaller the facilities the as well facilities as well um, and yeah you can easily go out and walk in a park somewhere now yeah. as long as it's accessible so we are seeing that so I'm not surprised um, and we have said what we were saying for a long time in this podcast well even during the pandemic people will be going back to London I think the other thing to take from rental prices increasing is people are seeing yields being squeezed a bit more at the moment. We've had such an aggressive capital growth over the past couple of years. Now, what we're demonstrating, which again is it's a natural byproduct once the, the capital uh, price market slows down, is rents starting to rise now. So we are going to see these yields start to creep back up. So this is why we say properties, medium to long-term investment. You can't look short, sure. short-term. I'll be looking now going, great, Yes, capital growth is is coming to more normal levels, but what I'm starting to see 
its rents are going up and the more people are struggling to buy properties because unfortunately the cost of living, mortgage prices, et cetera, et cetera, they are now turning to rent and saying, look, okay, we'll, we'll have to keep renting. Let's go into rental properties. Let's, let's be pushed into that market, which is pushing more demand into the market. And obviously the supply we know is restricted across the board anyway. And that's only going to keep pushing rents out. Um, and what we have to remember is they're only going to go up to a level that is affordable. So they will slow down at some point. I know there is the worry that people are spending too much on rent, but the whole time they can afford it, they will continue to rise. And it kind of kind of polices itself, the rental market, because they'll only go as high as the market can pay. Yes, there will be some people at the bottom that might sort of be priced out, but majority of people, as long as they can afford it, they're going to pay those rents. Um, but it's just maybe long-term effect on the property market. Um, it could stall them going into the property market. So we always see this... Um, battle with the the rental prices, capital growth, and renters, homeowners, etc. So it's it's not that not that uh, surprising, but it's a natural part of the market where we see transitions. So For sure. yeah, be interested to see how they continue to grow. But I've got no no forecast that doesn't say they'll continue to increase because I just think no reason, right? No, all the fundament the main fundamental driving factor is supply and demand. That's not changing anytime soon. So they're going to continue to to creep up. So if you are an investor buying now, then yes, at this moment in time, maybe your yield isn't where you would ideally like it to be normally, but you should start to see that increase, which we've seen happen prior. We've seen people buy previously in previous markets and sit there and now where they've held on to held on to it for the medium to long term, then I'll sit there going, Well, my yield, my yield's massive now. Absolutely. We, I mean we've just to just to kind of uh, creep in there and, and mention even from a client's perspective, I mean, we work with a number of clients on a day to day basis and even we've had um rental forecasts pre kind of completion, for example, with an off plan property. Within six months, the the rents have increased. Yeah. Um, so by the time of completion, what they were looking at previously, yeah, has already increased. So as a whole, that's only going to benefit the investor because, mm. of course, the, the the rents are going up, which means their profit margin is going to increase, etc. So as a whole, for sure, I think especially in certain locations. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a no-brainer, especially just going back to the part of the facilities within these buildings and mm. what they're bringing and, and why city centres are becoming so popular. Um, it's because the facilities are, I mean, realistically, if you didn't want to, <laughs> if you don't want to leave, you don't have to leave. They've got gyms. They've got some, some of them have got coffee shops. Yeah. You've literally got everything on your doorstep. Um, so, yeah, and I think a lot of people as well, love a uh, loving the buzz as you said post covid being yep. able to be in the city have the buzz i think especially for a lot of young individuals which i think a lot of working professionals in that kind of maybe 20 to 35 bracket um that that's where a lot of the target audience will be um of course dependent on location etc but a lot of the the clients that we kind of deal with that's the kind of market that they'd be looking for rent wise mm -hmm. uh, to come in there and there's a massive a massive turnover of of people looking to rent at the moment as you mentioned yeah that was a good point actually about the off plan and the rents actually going up during that build period we've got that one and we've got the one in Bradford for mm -hmm. example where even the, the the yield was fairly strong anyway yep. and now we've revisited it because it's completions sort of later on this year and we're actually being told look the rents have actually gone up quite a bit 
Um, yeah. So you're actually looking at better yields. So even on conservative day, it's good news. And then with the the current market conditions, so that's one of the benefits we speak about when buying off plan. Obviously, securing it today's price, that price stays the same. But if if capital growth takes place, you benefit from that. But one thing we probably don't shout enough about is we'll actually benefit from the rental price increase as well. And we try to be conservative with yeah. those points at the beginning, looking at um, not overinflating the price from the get go because at the end of the day. That's not going to be of anyone's best interest, uh, obviously putting uh, higher figures on something that isn't going to achieve that. So, yeah, as you mentioned there, Toby, it's it's much more about, yes, you're buying an investment, but I think everyone buying off plan is very hard hitting on the fact of the capital growth and buying in the right location. But as mentioned, it's the rent that's going to increase over that time frame as well, especially within the right locations, um, which definitely where the regeneration areas are set and taking place at the moment, that is something that I think is is massively going to be another benefit to buying off plan. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, there are the headlines then that have caught our eye. We'll keep an eye on the next ones that we'll use on the next episode. But yeah, we're always, we're always trying to stay in loop with what the headlines are saying and and what it means for the market and how to interpret it. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll look forward to the next ones that we can speak about. Now on to the main part of this episode: the renters' reform bill. So. For those that don't know what it is, so this was brought in originally in 2019. So this is a bill that is being put forward in Parliament, which its main aim is to increase security for renters, to increase standards for them as well. And there is also bits of it which would help potentially to increase um, how the landlords can get possession back of their property. Now, there has been a, a lot of uproar about this within the industry. So whenever this has been mentioned, because we've only just seen the details in the past few weeks, it's been spoken about for a long time and there was a lot of rumours about what was going to be in there. As I said, this has been announced in 2019 and we've only seen it a couple of weeks ago in 2023. So yeah, a lot of speculation it's has taken delay. place. Yeah, <laughs> typical government delay and stuff. No, <laughs> never. Um... And yeah, we've, we finally got it now. And initial reaction was uproar. Oh my God, it's it's bashing landlords. It's in, well in favour of tenants. Trying this push is landlords out the market. push landlords out the market. It's awful. It's awful now. Yeah, that that's what a lot of people have said. But what we will do now is we'll go through the we'll go through the main uh, points of it. So, and just to give you sort of an overview of the bill, so. The main points that have raised eyebrows and which we'll, we'll go over are the uh, abolishing of Section 21, which we'll go into, the end of fixed term tenancies, changes to landlord's grounds for possession, the end of blanket bans on tenant demographics, renting to tenants with pets. That's a big one. <laughs> We've heard that many, many times. Uh, the decent homes standards a landlord portal and a requirement to join a new ombudsman scheme and then changes to how rents are reviewed and increased. So, yeah, this is what we will go through. Now, just as a side note, this hasn't come into force yet. So I don't want listeners going, oh my God, 
what the hell is this? Talk? I've, ne- I've never even heard about I'm this. Not become a landlord yeah, anymore. I'm not. Or how and I never. I've, I've got properties. Am I letting an agent hasn't told me this, and I knew nothing about this. No, this this just let you know this hasn't come in yet. So there is an actual procedure and uh, a way that this this um this gets in to actual um well everyday life and, and gets gets put in uh, by by law and legislation etc. Um, so they have to go through parliamentary readings it then gets royal assent and then it's implemented by government which is done in stages so yeah it's it's not in yet and there may be a while before we actually see this coming to force so let's start with getting rid of section 21 so section 21 is um uh, a section used within the the housing act um part of legislation which which is how you can serve your tenant notice. So this is probably arguably one of the biggest changes which people have noted as part of the bill. So Matt, why don't you give your understanding of, of what Section 21 is? Yeah, I think Section 21 um, was set in place uh, quite a while ago now uh, in regards to basically landlords having the right to be able to evict tenants uh, without kind of needing a specific reason yeah exactly that so there's no they can basically get their property back without giving like you said any valid reason for sure so yeah that's that's something that i think is uh i don't see i think it would be i'm not gonna lie i think i'll be with the uproar crowd here and think that would be one of the major points i think i think if you're a landlord and it's your property i do think you should have the ability to do what you want with it when you want, to be completely honest with you. Um, don't get me wrong, I'm more for renters and obviously looking after tenants, etc., and doing things the correct way. But I do believe uh, the Section 21 would be, um, yeah, it would be a big miss unless they obviously looked to implement something else that was, I guess, similar or another way of doing it. But I think it would be a big, a big loss if that was to go, to be honest. What about yourself, Toby? Uh, yes and no. I think, look, I think when you first hear that, you think, oh my God, wow, I'm not going to be able to get my property back. But when you do read into it and you, and you put it into context, they're, they're getting rid, rid of what you call no fault evictions. So it just means you just, I want my property back, give it back. You give the tenant notice, they go. So it, it adds a bit of security and comfort to the tenants and i can see why some landlords would uh, be disappointed by that of course but then when you read into it they are looking to then bolster the section eight um, grounds for getting your uh, property back so it's not like you're, you're not going to have any chance to it just means there has to be a valid reason for so i believe they're going to add into there for example if you wanted to sell your property um there's a there's a few so um just to give uh, an update on section eight so what that is so that yeah as i said that's basically recovering your property for possession under specific reasons so a section eight eviction is when your tenants are in breach of the tenancy agreement so if they breach the tenancy agreement you this is what's going on this is still what you could do now you use section eight to get your property back um unlike unlike section 21 so section eight eviction does require Require obviously the reasons for like we just mentioned and there's 17 possible grounds um, for eviction under section 8 which includes things such as rent arrears property damage like we said if they breach their contract nuisance behaviour um, if a landlord wants to live in their property so if a landlord's like right 
I need my property back because I'm, I'm going to be living in it now. I'm moving myself or I'm moving me and my valid family. Reason, yep. Yeah, a, a valid reason why they'd get the property back and you can then serve notice and Just at that to make point. people aware, this is still definitely in place. So yeah, Section 8 you can this use today. This is not today. going anywhere. No, no, no. So Section 8 is staying there and they're actually looking to bolster that as well. So um, yeah, see, there's, there's less... There's less, well, the judge pretty much can't, as long as you've got a valid reason, the judge isn't going to say no. Um, so with a Section 8, the landlords uh, must serve the notice to tenants detailing the eviction grounds. So they have to um, serve that. And then if the t- tenant doesn't leave by a specific date, the landlord can then seek court intervention, intervention and get their property back. So that will be still there and they will look to bolster those powers away now i believe they're looking to to add in so they're looking to add in um the grounds for possession being um better so like i said i think mentioning about if you want to sell your property that would be a, um, a ground for possession there but what also they're going to do alongside this so with section eight is they're actually going to look at bolstering the court proceedings or and, and the proceedings for how you get your property back which again is a massive, massive. issue at the moment people waiting so slow so slow so long it's just completely broken ridiculous isn't it so again this is one of those things in theory what they're saying when you look at them abolishing section 21 initially scary but then actually well no we've got section 8 and if they bolster the section 8 reasons then it's actually not that bad and if they then if they then increase and make the efficiency better for the proceedings to get your property back and they make that process a lot better then it's not actually going to be affecting. I think one of the stats that I've I've, I've got here is only 6% of tenants are evicted via Section 21. Very small percentage, right? Again, um, so realistically, why are you going to evict your tenant? For sure. I mean, if they're paying every month and you've got no issues with them. Why would you evict them? So when you think of it like that, you're actually like, well, that's actually not that much of an issue. I do think it's one of those things where... As you said, the uproar initially yeah. when you first see I can't it, get my property back. <laughs> it is scary. You think, oh my God, I'm going to have... You feel as though as a landlord, you would be getting pushed out of the market and they're not happy and it's getting harder and harder. But I think when you look at it from another perspective, like you just mentioned there, Toby, I think it then opens up many other doors to think, actually, if they were to boost certain areas where you can do things with a valid reason, as you mentioned, Realistically, if your tenant's paying, you, as mentioned in general, if if your tenant's paying, they've got there's no issues. Then then there's no real reason unless you're selling your property or mm-hmm. there is something to do with that. Then I don't see why why you would uh, have any issues in the first place. No, like I said, up from my memory, uh, I don't think I've ever asked. I've, I've, only when I've actually sold a property have I requested a tenant to leave. And they stayed in the property while the sale was sale was going on. A couple of months left of the sale, and then they left. Yeah, apart from that, I don't know. And there's not been many cases where I've spoke to to other landlords that have evicted their tenants. Have you found anyone in the six percent? A few. <laughs> no, I, I have. Have I? No, I don't think I have actually. Um, no, never. I've never. I've never. Someone you, go. You hear the classic horror stories now and again, but it's 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 very. Yeah, but then again, if they're evicting their tenant with the horror horror stories, it's because they're not paying their rent. Yeah. Well, that, that comes under section and then eight. That's the that's the legal process we yeah. just spoke about, which can take exactly um, antisocial behaviour. Um, yeah, breaching their tenancy agreement. So when you actually break it down and look at it, 
in, in context, then as I said, it's not actually that bad. So what I would say is it's not scary, but let's see how Section 8 is put into practice, how they deal with the sort of court proceedings side of things, because that's going to, that'll be the one thing that will sort of make or break how landlords perceive it. If they, landlords go, well, actually, no, you've got a point there. Yeah, that's all right. As long as you're going to do what you're saying there, absolutely fine. So that's, that's what I think we'll see. But to me, it's not the end of the world. Um, on to the next one then. So no more fixed term tenancies. So what this means is you'll no longer be able to tie tenants in for like six months, 12 months tenancies. It's automatically going to be periodic. So this is a, a rolling month on month basis. So what this is aiming to do for pay, tenants... Pay as you go. Pay as you go. <laughs> yeah, pay as you go. So this is going to give tenants uh, the flexibility to give notice whenever they want. So from what they're saying, this will mean that they only have to provide two months notice to their landlords for them to be able to leave. So this was, again, something that some landlords have picked up on as a bit scary for them. Well, okay, if I'm not fixing them in, my God, this is going to be, it's going to be awful. Um, And at the end of the tenancy, usually you could go, actually, no, no more. We're not going to renew it then you can give them notice. So again, it, it gives the tenants that that security there. So any attempt by landlords according to the bill to enforce a fixed term tenancy or serve a notice to quit could result in a fine from the local authority. So they're already setting up repercussions if you were to, to follow this. So the revised section eight, so this is what we're talking about, how they're revising section eight, allows landlords to give two months notice if they wish to sell, as I mentioned, or occupy their rental property. Well, that was already in place anyway. And notice periods for grounds like antisocial behavior or rental arrears will continue to, to vary or they'll be in place still there as well. So yeah, again, I mean, look, there's no fixed term tenancy. So security or, or tie-in tenants in for a period of time, 12 months is what some landlords do like. That's out the window. And again, you can't say, well, you've had your term now, you have to leave. So what, what would be your take on this side? Yeah, I think I think we actually highlighted it before coming in, Toby, when we were having a chat uh, briefly. But I think in, in if we're looking from it, from an, I guess, a... Uh, a landlord's perspective, they might be quite concerned by this, just thinking in terms of anyone can just up and leave and, and from a landlord's perspective as well, thinking I've got to maybe pay uh, the management agency once again. Yeah. Obviously, if a tenant's just left and you've just got someone in, they've just done all the checks, etc. So I can see why um, some people would have had the uproar. Once again, I think if your property's to a good standard anyway, that I believe there's no reason why a tenant, unless it's for a circumstance like they need to move location or whatever reason, then why would they leave if it's going to be kept in a good condition and you're a good landlord? I think as a whole, I actually personally think as a whole, you don't really tend to, I mean, I, I, for example, had a six month tenancy on mine um, and it's just about to go over that. And, and the, the tenants uh, have had no problems, no issues. They haven't, haven't wanted to. And I know a lot of friends who are landlords as well. And, and it tends to, even if there's a six or 12 month, it seems to be uh, a thing where they continue to stay in there for a much longer period of time. I know you mentioned, I think that you had, you've had someone in there for over two years and initially it was a six or 12. Yeah. So, I mean, I've had one guy in one of our properties for, he must have been there, God, maybe six, seven years now. And what was that initially, a six or a 12? I think, one that, was, of those? I think that was just a six-month 
yeah, a tenancy agreement. I could be, yeah, no, maybe about, I could be wrong there. Maybe about five years, but yeah, five years he's been there. And then yeah, there's the other one um, uh, in Leeds where, yeah, it started on a six months and they've just renewed and they've been there ever since we've actually owned the property, which is, I want to say about four years no maybe yeah maybe about four years yeah, now so i think in, it it shows a lot of the time that tenants in general even though they the uh the six or 12 months which has been previously uh, a thing and, and still is anyway for the time being is is definitely something that i think it's <laughs> i think for landlords you think that's your security that's yeah. where people feel secure you know you haven't got to worry about it for at least six months that's the contract set in place um so i as i said i do understand it but i think as a as a, a lot of tenants will do anyway is a lot of the time they'll look to stay there long term i think yeah i think again i think people are foc- focusing on a small factor like oh my God, it's rolling. I've got no security for six, 12 months or I can't after that part of the agreement's up, I can't sort of get them out at that point, et cetera, et cetera. But look, realistically, tenants don't want to be up and moving every every few months they're not they're not realistically gonna be <laughs> I'm sure i'm sure people that have listened have moved house and they know the stress <laughs> yeah i think they know the cost involved so again they have to get a new deposit together and sort of to move into the next property that the cost of moving etc it's not cheap it's hassle no. they're not going to be sitting there after three months when oh should we should, do you know what? we've been here a few months should we should we go somewhere else and um should we try down the road i saw a house there should we just pop down the few streets and oh we're not tied in here company yeah back out. <laughs> we're not tied in here let's let's go down the road it's, it's realistically it's not going to be like that um, it just again gives flex, flexibility to tenants and realistically they're not going to be moving every couple months um, oh, again I've, I've had tenants I've never had tenants less than a year from all of my properties so again that's pretty no, that's take I, it for sure yeah and I, I think that's across the board I don't know many landlords that have tenants moving Um Unless, unless there's a valid reason. Maybe they outgrow the property quickly or maybe they change jobs and they have to move location, which again can happen. So it does give the tenants flexibility there. But look, it's one of those where I think if you focus on the negative and, and look at it from, from just the headline point of view, like, oh my God, no more fixed tenancies. Mm. Some landlords initially well, would actually be a good example, actually. I had the, the tenants in, in one of my properties in Liverpool Um they moved out of and actually came into the property. Obviously, I've I've obviously acquired them and the buy to let I have. They actually moved out because there was a damp issue that wasn't resolved over and over again. Uh-huh. So they actually left because of so an they wanted issue. To stay. And, the, and the, yeah, they wanted to actually stay. It was no reason. There was no problem with the property. It's yeah. just that the landlord hadn't <laughs> kept the upkeep of the property and looked after the tenants that were inside. So. Yes, the landlord ended problem. up becoming my tenant. So uh. <laughs> all for you because they seem to be serving you very well. Um, yeah, on to the next one. I mean, we'll just we'll, we'll quickly rush rush through this point because we've already gone through it anyway. But it's yeah, the change to the grounds for possession, which we've spoken about in previous ones. So um, yeah, they want to make it easier for possession with no section twenty one. But with that being abolished, they want to make it easier and make it easier to get it through court. So the landlords will um, look to have the power to regain regain possession from antisocial tenants and that notice period reduced to two weeks as we mentioned previously regain possession from tenants in rent arrears as we already know sell a rental property when they need to which is a which is definitely a good one to add in and move themselves or close family into a rental property which is this is already in there in the section eight anyway so the next one we'll go on to is no more blanket 
bans. And when we say blanket bans, this means you can't just put um, a, a blanket ban on letting a property to tenants with children or those on benefits. So it's actually going to be made illegal under the renters reform bill. So this is where you would get people say, I don't want housing benefits um, tenants and I don't want DSS tenants, which is pretty much the same thing. Um, picky landlords, right? Picky landlords, which again, or, 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 ten or tenants with children. So horror stories, sometimes you do get uh, tenants with children. You hear the horror stories, the kids wreck the place. I think it's a bit unfair. I have kids myself um, and it's not really that bad unless they're actually taking a sledgehammer and knocking down <laughs> walls, which I wouldn't expect like a three-year-old to be able to do. Uh, don't, the, yeah, wear and tear with kids, not the end of the world. And the reason there's been blanket bans from some landlords on tenants on on housing benefits or DSS or however it's it's um, advertised, it's because there have been issues with landlords actually getting paid and usually down to the council's fault with how their pay system is and how it's done and it has caused issues for some landlords which isn't actually the tenant's fault to a degree. And some mm -hmm. there is some circumstances where it sometimes is the tenant's fault, but a lot of it, um, in my experience from being around letting agencies it's usually the council that that cause issues there and then then it puts ten, uh, tenants in arrears landlords then aren't receiving rent if they've got a mortgage it stacks up and that put pressure on so they, those sort of horror stories have kind of created a blanket ban among some landlords where they're actually no I don't want those I've heard the horror stories of no so this is actually going to make it illegal and they are going to enforce this so I've got here so one way they, they're going to enforce it is they're going to support landlords to make informed decisions on individual circumstances rather than relying on blanket bans. So they're going to help landlords to look at a case by case and make a decision based on that, which is which is good. They're going to work with the insurance industry to address the landlord and agent misconceptions, as we just spoke about. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the misconceptions is that it's difficult to get insurance for properties where tenants are in receipt of benefits. So they're going to do that. They're going to explore improvements to welfare support information for both tenants and landlords again educating so that will help to ensure that those who are able to manage their their rent payments can arrange direct payments of housing costs to their landlord which i, I think is important through their universal credit um so that will definitely massively help because sometimes it's not a direct payment and that's what causes issues for landlords um they're going to boost awareness of the range of local services available to help people who are living on a low wage or receiving benefits. So this is more based around an educational side and sort of implementing a few things there, which will help show that look, as long as you you know what you're doing and it's set up correctly, it's not actually that bad. So my take on this person is, it's, it's that again, scary headlines some people because you immediately thought the horror stories but I don't actually think again it's that bad and we'll hopefully I think that will actually help some tenants that do deserve and are absolutely fine and capable of getting rental properties but uh, but are actually told by letting agents nope sorry we don't accept these sort of tenants which I know it's horrible to hear let a lot of letting agents do and it's yeah. horrible and there's people out there who genuinely need people away yeah honestly they genuinely need good homes and they are fit for those homes as well. They're absolutely fine, but because good of the, people, they pay when they need exactly. to. Exactly. Misconception is no, I'm not renting those. Or uh, tenants with children. Again, misconception. 
the horror don't stories. have kids guys and you'll be fine yeah well I made that mistake <laughs> three times so thanks for that man <laughs> so yeah no that's that's my my, my take and look, again you're a landlord um, what, what, what do you think about Sim- that similar to yourself Toby I'll be completely honest with you I think um, look I'm all for um, I think supplying people with with homes and and absolutely if, if we can help people from a landlord's perspective as well uh, as as I said I'm pretty sure most landlords uh, don't get me wrong not probably everyone but most landlords as long as tenants are paying mm. they're happy to have people in the in the home and and as I said a lot of the landlords which I do think some of the obviously what they're looking to implement here will help is the fact of getting the the properties up to a certain standard relaying it back to the point of the damp situation with the Liverpool property for example mm. with the tenant with my tenants for example one of my ones there it just relates to as long as you're looking after people, people are going to obviously want to stay in there. And I think, as you said, Toby, there, relaying back to this point is with obviously supplying that. There's so many good individuals out there that, unfortunately, because of maybe certain things, they might they might not be they might be restricted as to what they can do out of their control. Properties, out of their control, nothing yeah. they can do about it. And I. Yeah, I think it's it's quite sad actually. Yeah, um, I mean, especially like as I mentioned, renting to. Um, tenants that have children like yeah, I, I don't see an issue with that. I mean look crazy. even if you're a tenant and you haven't got children have mine literally <laughs> I'll let you have mine that's how full I am uh, with, with that proposal you can have all three of my kids and yeah there you go enjoy no but yeah like you said it's it's yeah it's sad to see and elements out of tenants control I, I think is unfair so yeah I, again I, I see that as, as a positive some I landlords um, may be looking at that negatively but I just see it as, as, as a positive as again as long as done properly for sure the next one similar theme about banning um, certain types of, of uh, tenants and that's tenants with pets so they are now re- reforming to allow tenants to have pets in property so tenants according to the bill can now keep pets with the consent of their landlord and landlords can't unreasonably refuse or withhold consent now that does open again without knowing the real terms and conditions of that that is open to a lot of interpretation. So we have no idea how that's going to play out. What would what what are they going to deem as a reasonable um, reason for not allowing What's a pet? the size of the pet? What's the size of the what pet? What kind of pet is it? Well, I was, I was saying to you, like, what pet is it? If it's, a, if it's a hippo, I'm going to have to come check the house out, make sure <laughs> that the hippo's nice and meet the hippos, make sure yeah. it's friendly. But yeah, exactly. It's, it's open to interpretation there. And tenants will also have the right to challenge a refusal as well. So again... What does that entail? What does that look like? Who's who's going to determine the outcome of that appeal? What process? Who who does it go to? How much time is that going to waste? It's very brief at this point in time, right? Yeah, I- exactly. So we, we don't know the the real ins and outs. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll see how that plays out. But again, I'm all for yeah I'm all for pets. Yeah, I like pets. So oh, oh, oh. always always. In, I mean, of of course, don't get me wrong. There's some pets that. If you don't train them properly, of course, it can be a problem. But I believe uh, the, the normal pets, your, your cats, your dogs, all of those sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, it's very, very little issues I've, I've ever found. Um, and I haven't heard, don't get me wrong, it's like anything, there's always a horror story or two. But majority of the time, once again, I think, um, I think, I think it's harsh in a way. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I understand 
we go back to hearing horror stories about wear and tear of properties, dogs in the house, big dogs, oh, they've ruined the carpet or ruined the flooring. But again, what you tend to find, a lot of tenants with pets, they will be staying there a long time. Oh, for sure. That's and, a massive point. And wear, and wear and tear in the property, realistically, if a tenant's staying there for five years, if they've got a pet and when they move out, you need to get, need to get a new carpet because the dogs are in the carpet. Well, after five years, as a landlord, really... You're probably going to be getting a new you're one gonna, anyway. Yeah, if you want to do it nicely and have good standards for the next line of tenants coming in, you're going to be redoing all that anyway. So, yeah, I'm the same with you. Um, it's not really an issue that... I think, and again, it sounds like there will be grounds that you are able to refuse. So we'll see how that comes out. They're also going to allow landlords to require tenants to obtain uh, pet insurance as well. And also the Tenant Fees Act will be amended to allow pet insurance as a chargeable fee. So they'll actually be able to charge that on top. Now, this is something that I spoke about uh, quite a few years ago when uh, we mentioned, um, or I can't remember when I was speaking about it, about pets. And somebody was saying, oh, I don't want pets. So I said, okay, just charge a tenant a bit extra. Just say, let's cover the cost that I think is going to build up over the time of wear and tear. I'll charge you an extra, obviously reasonable amount to cover that cost. Most tenants are like, yeah, fine, because they couldn't get their uh, property um, anywhere else because the, because of the pet. And they were By happy. By that point, they already probably liked yeah, the property. Exactly. They just want to... So if you've got that... It's... I think a massive point, actually, that you highlighted is tenants with pets will look to stay for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be their home again they're not gonna want to up and move the pets especially if you've got cats who get attached to sort of locations yeah realistically i mean i don't know the stats but i'll probably assume tenants that have pets are less likely to move um other than rather than tenants for not most people that i know landlord wise for sure i think nearly everyone that's had tenants with pets in there seem to stay a bit uh, well a lot longer from my from my um yeah, from from what I've definitely heard within friends and and um, yeah, a few people I know within the industry. Mm. Next one then, decent homes standard. So this is addressing which we've we've actually heard quite a lot about in the news recently. Um, so this addresses uh, the issues of poor, poor property standards uh, to ensure better living conditions for renters. So we've seen stories about obviously that tragic child that died due to damp issues from a negligent sort of um, landlord mm -hmm. in that sense. Um, so you've got existing me measures such as smoke alarms, CO2 detectors, uh, the Homes Act 2018, um, minimum energy efficiency standards, um, but they are considered as insufficient for making the standards um, up to scratch for tenants. So the housing secretary, Michael Gove, so he's em emphasizes the one thing he's saying, he's, he's really sort of pushing the need for better, better properties and standards to, so to push away the, the bad properties that have the risk of unsafe, cold, damp properties, wherever it may be. And he wants to push the standards up so the implement implementation of the decent home standard would help address the estimated 12 percent of uk rental properties that pose risks to tenants health and safety so really looking to push that up and local councils will have increased authority to enforce the decent home standard and take action against non-compliant landlords so yeah again i don't see any issue with that no i'm all for that yeah. Absolutely, I think landlords within the UK. I think it's. I think if you if you're a landlord and you're doing it as a property investment, I think you should always look look after. I think if you're a genuine people person, you want to yeah. look after people. I think 
in terms of that, that that's the absolute minimum. Um, obviously, I, t- I know I touched on it slightly already, but referring back to even my my tenants in my my property right now, they um, as I said, came from a situation where they had to leave because of the damp, and it wasn't a an mm-hmm. issue that was getting resolved. So, um, and obviously, as you mentioned, so with the tragic story there, it's it's something that I think. Yeah, as landlords, it should be the bare minimum. I know a lot of landlords will see it as a cost sometimes, which is um, yeah crazy to think really, but over the long term, it's still going to be a very solid investment, even if you're having to pay a bit of your profits here and there to look after your tenant, which to be honest, the tenant will probably be a lot happier. Yeah. Or, or one, be probably willing to, if you ever increase the prices, be happy with it because they know you're, you're with, you have their best interest and you're looking after them. I think two, in terms of that, once again, the, the longevity, they're going to want to stay longer because, um, yeah, of course, you're you're improving their living conditions and, and making sure they're looked after. Yeah, look, you're, you're giving people homes at the end of the day and they need to be fit for purpose. And yeah, if, if you're if you're spending money on doing your property up, as long as you do it properly, there shouldn't be any need for you to keep paying money. If there's little bits here and there, then look, get it done. The tenants live in there. That's a human being living there. How would you like to live in a property? That's what like I was going to say. I think if you relate back to yourself, would you be happy living in those conditions? And a lot of the time, especially some of the properties, I know. I mean, when we do viewings, etc., now and again, mm. you, I mean, we've come, ac- you've probably come across some absolute shockers. It's, yeah, it's an understatement. Literally. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is bad, and um, yeah, I, I'm I'm pleased to see that because I think across I the board this is going to hopefully push out some of the bad um, landlords. But again, let's see what powers councils get and see the transparency of that, and if they can actually act on that. But we'll see. So time will tell on that. Now the next one is the implementation of a landlord portal and new ombudsman so across the board. So it will introduce a single private renters ombudsman for all landlords in England that they would have to be a part of. Um, so make it hopefully more straightforward and that the role of that ombudsman will be to facilitate dispute resolution between landlords and tenants without involving the court system. So this is how they're, they're talking about making it uh, better and, and more streamlined. And then they will also have a new property portal, which will be implemented and landlords will be required to register their properties on it. Uh, the new portal will provide tenants with more information about the rental property standards and assist local councils in handling disputes. So they're going to go more online, have that platform. So landlords who already use a letting agent benefit benefiting from a mandatory redress screen will need to join the new one and the online and the online portal once the bill comes into effect. So it's going to hopefully make it more transparent Um more even across the board so one ombudsman that all landlords have to be a part of so everybody knows where they stand where they stand both from a landlord and a renter's point of view and then the portal obviously making it accessible online more informative because i think there's not enough accessible information not 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 easily anyway it's so confusing you have to do your own research right? oh yeah i mean hence why uh, letting agents are worth the money that they they charge and they probably deserve a bit more because they make it simplified they do it all for you um and yeah, they, they definitely help on that side the of things. The good ones. The good ones, yeah. There are some bad ones. So yeah, Ken, look, with that one, I think it's good. Let's, in theory, great idea. Like the sound of it. I agree. I think it's good. Implementation, only time will tell. But that's one of the other things they're looking to bring in. So just, just do bear that in mind for any landlords or any potential landlords who are looking to invest in property. Next one. So they're going to change how rents are reviewed and change the increase 
notice period. So they're going to restrict it to one rent rent review per year and landlords must provide a notice period of two months for any rental increase. So what they want to do is obviously stop the sudden increase and landlords being greedy when they want to be some landlords very small portion of them being greedy and increasing rents every couple of months if the market's moving well um so yeah that, that that's what they're looking to obviously bring in the new bill and what would be your take on that i think in terms of that uh so so in terms of just to make that simple in terms of it would be i guess they're, they're looking to do one rent review per year Mm-hmm. So as a whole, I think, look, I mean, it's not often I think that people will be looking to raise rents more than once in a year anyway. Yeah. So I don't, to be honest with you, I don't see this as a huge issue. I think in terms of that, um, yeah, it would have to be a significant amount of growth in one year to really want to increase it. And, and I mean, I can only, the only other way I can see, as I mentioned before, I think with yourself uh, before this, before the podcast, Toby was, is if you've had, for whatever reason, two two tenancies and two people have moved, and the letting agents may be telling you you can get a bit more for your money, etc. But look, that's that's very unlikely to happen. So I would say, yeah, I, I, I don't see it as an issue. What about yourself? Do you, do you fairly similar? Yeah, fa- fairly similar. I mean, the, the bill's going to um, include that the tenant can challenge what they perceive as unfair rent increases, which is which is fair enough because if you are increasing the rent unfairly, then yeah, the tenant should have yeah, the right there's to. There's no benefit as such. Exactly. Yeah. And you're not going to be allowed to have a rent increase clause within your tenancy agreement as well. So yeah, look, like you just said, look, rental increases, I've kept mine the same for for years prior. And it's only when the letting agent said, well, maybe you should think about increasing it. And again, I'm like, okay, but what's a reasonable amount? And I always tend to try, if they're a long-term tenant, I'll always try and keep it under the market rent because I want to reward them for being a long-term tenant. But yeah, like you said, realistically, you're not going to be increasing it um, sort of any more than a year. And if you are, you're a greedy landlord or there is some sort of reasoning behind it, which is very rare. So I, I don't think that's a bad thing. It gives good clarity to the tenant as well and potentially the landlord I suppose because once a year maybe they go well let me have a review okay it's fine I'll, mm. I'll leave it rather than and, and then knowing they've got to use it wisely as well once a year so yeah it's not just getting pushed up for the sake of it which I think is going to be which is going to be good um, yeah and then I think that's everything really to cover on those um, yeah, in terms of of, of the, the rental increase lastly as well, um, yeah, I think if you are a landlord hearing that, it sounds, again, like we've noticed, more scary than it's it. It's a recurring theme. Yeah, ex- exactly. And I think just just to round, round up what we've just gone over briefly, sort of the main points that we've highlighted from the renters' reform bill, I think my overall perception of it is it's not as scary as some headlines may make out um some landlords may be scared by the head headlines or the sort of shortened versions of the of the bill like which make it sound a lot scarier but it's not i think it's good for the rental market it's going to impre- increase standards for for tenants it's going to help tenants out as well. So it's, it is going to benefit renters. I'm not going to lie. It is, it is going to benefit renters, but I think why not? Um, the stuff they're putting in is anything that, any, not anything that I think is unfair. And 
all the caveats in there for landlords to be protected to a degree are substantial enough for me not to be scared of the landlord to think, oh my God, this is horrible. They'd be silly to do that anyway, because it would just cause absolute mayhem in the rental market. But this is um, protection for, for tenants. And hopefully what they're looking to do as well by some of the changes they're making is give clarity and more substance for landlords when trying to get their property back or or how they then operate their properties. And across the board, the, the increasing the standard of the rental properties for me, I think is a massive, massive mm. benefit. And I'm, I'm pleased to see that. It frustrates me when I see rubbish properties on the market or you hear the stories about some of the conditions tenants been living in mm-hmm. and these these landlords get away with it and then they, they give the rest of the landlords the rest of us a bad name and we're all tarnished with the same brush greedy sure. landlords horrible properties not fit for purpose and we hate you all um, landlords getting slated oh god yeah and then, 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 then you can see why they, they want to leave the market which is only a bad thing with landlords moving the mar- leaving the market because it means there's less supply for current renters, which then pushes their prices up and it's not good for the market. We need more landlords, good landlords to the market to help the market. The supply and demand shift at the moment is still massive in terms I of... I think su- this will bring in, though, this, this hope certain parts of it should implement that within... Um, the market and hopefully bring out as you said i think it would hopefully phase out a lot of the landlords that are not so much keeping their properties up to the standard that it generally should be yeah um but yeah no i agree toby and um as a whole i think that's is that everything that you wanted to cover in this episode yeah i think on the renters reform bill that's pretty much all of it that's the main I mean, again like if anyone has any questions always drop a comment or pop us a message and, and lastly what you have to remember this bill as I said hasn't actually come mm. into force yet they're already U-turning on some of the things now recently there was a scenario where um, the NRLA and some other bodies have sort of lobbied the government say look you, you have to be careful with I think it's the the uh, the section 21 abolishment because with purpose-built accommodation property Landlords need to get their property back at the end of the tenancy mm-hmm. or at the end of the school period because they need their property back then and then for the next new tenant. So they've kind of looked at that and said, oh, okay, yeah, we're going to address that. And for 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 student for student uh, renting and student accommodation, we'll, we'll amend that so there's not an issue and you, the landlord can get the property back at the end of the, the school term. So there's going to be stuff changing along the way. This isn't set in stone. This has given us a good basis and idea, well, a, a good clear idea on where it's going. So I I do foresee more changes along the way and I think it will sort of won't be finalised um, maybe for, for quite a few, few months to come and then it's got to come in anyway um, which hopefully they should give us enough notice for which will be which will be interesting mm, I agree I think just to mention there as well Toby what you highlighted I think is a great point in terms of it will give I guess a bit more structure and mm. an idea for landlords to as you said, like um, have an understanding and, and also for tenants as well, a massive benefit to them in terms of knowing what their rights are, what they can kind of have a say on, etc. cetera. Um, and hopefully as an overall, um, yeah, make the, the, the relationship between landlords and, and tenants a much better one than maybe what's always seen as uh, not always the best of relationships. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely right there. And I think that, Lastly, just landlords, don't be scared by this. Look into it, get some advice, 
don't be scared by the headlines or rumors and what you're hearing. Do your own research, look into it, as we always say, look into stuff yourself, make your own perception. But from our point of view here, we're, we're not, we're not worried about it. And we only see it as a positive overall more than it, more than a negative. So mm-hmm. hope that has been clear for anybody listening or watching this episode. And as I said, any questions, just drop us a message, comment or email us at info at trackcapital.co.uk. We'll be happy to help. And then, yeah, we'll see you next time for, for the next episode where most likely with the Home Track report coming out today, we'll we'll, we'll cover that um, and we'll go over some more headlines. And again, if anybody has anything that they would like us to cover, any questions or headlines or anything that, that you see that you want us to sort of give our insight to or we'll go over on an, an episode. Certain topics. Yeah, certain topics. Feel free to drop them in. Uh, we have sort of conversations with investors on a regular basis that give us and inspire us to have these topics and conversations so if you have any direct ones send them through we're always happy to go over them but yeah i think that's it for today yeah all good so we'll see you next time all right take care take care bye-bye